Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without you, I fall apart. Sing that again. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. Let's just take a moment. Let's just thank God that he's here this morning, that you're here this morning, and there's about to be an encounter with the Holy Spirit and with us today. God wants to change and transform your life, wants to speak into your heart, whether you're here in person or watching online today. God wants to do something greater in and through you. Lord, we thank you, God, this morning to gather here in this place. 
together as a family, as a body of Christ. God, what an amazing, amazing thing it is. God, to have the freedom to be able to do this. Because not everywhere around the globe can you meet together, proclaim the name of Jesus, and do life together like we do. What a precious gift it is. God, this morning we pray for those who are traveling this holiday weekend. May you bless them and their families. May you give them safe travel. Lord, as we remember the sacrifice that so many have given for us to have the freedoms that we have in this country, the men and women that served in our armed forces and currently serve in our armed forces, Lord, bless them. And Lord, may we never forget that freedom comes uh, for a price. So many have laid down their lives for our nation. But even more than that, God, you laid down your life for us to have freedom from our sin, from religion, to be able to have a relationship with you and to be able to, to have that relationship extend far beyond our life into the life yet to come. Lord, you paid such a price, may we never forget. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, would you just say amen one more time before you're seated today? Well, it's great to have you here with us today. Going to do a little different service. It is Memorial Day weekend. And thank goodness somebody turned the heat back on outside. Because I was a little little worried we were going to have to break out our snow shovels and and snowblowers uh, earlier this week. I hear the groans. Come on, it got cold. Uh, and Hannah is out visiting some friends in North Dakota, and they got snow. Uh, so you know what? I count my blessings uh, today. We're at where we're at. The weather is good today. We're going to have a great day with Jesus. It is Memorial Day weekend, uh, and I want to take just a moment uh, for us to say we need to remember those. Remember those who laid down their life for us, those that serve in our military. Uh, I come from a military family. Both my biological dad and my stepdad served in the armed forces, one in the Army, one in the Air Force. Uh, I greatly respect and appreciate our military men and women. And today, if you've served or if you have served in the armed forces, would you please stand because I'd like to recognize you this morning. If you've served in our armed forces, thank you for standing this morning. Come on. Thank you for your service. And I'm also going to ask Mr. Brink to come up here for just a moment. He did not know this was happening. Like sermon illustration time. (laughs) So I got to look at my notes to remember if I can do this right. So Mr. Brink, tomorrow you'll be receiving a quilt uh, at the Village Green in service, for your service to this country. And your church family wants to tell you that we love you and could not. Yes, right. We are proud of you. Uh, And this is a great honor tomorrow. And so I will see you at the Village Green tomorrow to celebrate that day with you. So so thank you, Mr. Brink, for your service and our other armed service men and women. Well, I think Jeb has something for us. So let's, uh, let's hear what Jeb's got. It's Jive Time with Jeb! Good morning, Hillside! Who's excited to be in church today? Ooh, you guys are sounding good! Well, I think it is time to get ready to send our kiddos down to kids' church. So, if you are in grades K through 5, would you stand to your feet? Ray, are you guys ready? You now can go to the back where the double doors are. Miss Jackie is waiting for you. Everybody else, hey, can we give our kiddos a standing ovation as they head downstairs? Woo! All right. Well, it's time for me to go. I got to get downstairs with those kiddos. You guys have a great worship experience this morning. We'll see you soon. Bye. Jeb's going to be downstairs today talking about uh, rules uh, with our kids. And then Miss Jackie's going to be teaching them about communion, the importance of communion, what it means 
Uh, and so they're going to have an exciting time down there. For us today, we're going to do a special service. Somebody said, are we interviewing somebody? And I'm like, yes, we're going to interview Jesus today. You didn't know that when you came to church? No, I'm, I'm kidding. We're not doing an interview with Jesus, but Jesus does want to speak to our heart today. And I want to share with you something that God began to develop in me uh, a little over a month ago. Uh, and it was a message talking about empty chairs. Now, I'll be sharing a portion of this message, at least the heart of this, the outline of this, uh, a little later this week on Tuesday at a different event. But I believe in our lives right now, there's a lot of empty chairs. There's empty chairs that you and I have in our life that God wants to speak to us about. One of them is loss, the empty chair of loss. I planned on preaching this message to you a few weeks ago, and I think the timing is right. Uh, on Friday night, Terry Smith passed away. Some of you know Karen. Uh, her husband passed away after a long fight with several different uh, issues, physical issues. So visitation will be here on Tuesday from 11 to 1, and then at 1 o'clock we'll do the service. And uh, it's my honor to be able to do that with the family and with some of you that might be here for that service before I leave on sabbatical. But God wants to talk to us about loss, the sense of loss we're all kind of in. We've experienced the last year and a half of talking with several pastors, people in ministry. There's never been a season like this in our generation uh, on Memorial Day, I, there are, are definitely things. My, my father served in Vietnam. But there's a generation that didn't go through that and, and has never experienced that kind of loss. Um, and, and while I think that the loss is different, too, I'm not saying one is worse than the other or anything like that. I'm not making any of those statements. What I'm saying is, is that in Vietnam, we lost so many of our men and women in a combat situation. And over the last year and a half, we've lost so many loved ones through this season of the pandemic, and some to COVID, some to other things. But because of the pandemic, we weren't able to do things that we normally do to mourn. And it was, and for, for me as a pastor, I've never experienced the amount of loss with so many people in such a short period of time. Does that, does that make sense? Am I being clear what I'm trying to convey there? And, and I feel like for so many of us, We've not been able to process our grief effectively. And so this morning, I just believe Jesus wants to talk to us a little bit about that, about the empty chairs in our life. So the first one we're going to talk about is loss. And, and let's talk about loss of loved ones. We've lost in this room here, here today. Over the last just short season, we've lost siblings, parents, friends, family members, people that meant so much to us. And, and, and for some, it was just totally unexpected. And it was just this immense sense of loss and, and this feeling of an empty chair. Because for some of us, we feel like there's just this empty chair now. At family dinner times, there's an empty chair. That individual is not there in this moment to, to share with us. Some of us used to have patterns where we'd expect a phone call from someone, right? Maybe you had a day where, where it's, it's your day to call. And, and for me, uh, I, call, I call my parents usually on Sunday. Sunday evenings, we call. My, my stepdad uh, and mom are Formula One fans as well, and so we'll call and talk about the race after everybody's watched it. And I got to thinking about that when... When there's a loss there, I will miss that. And I realize for some of you, you used to have this time with your parents or siblings or friends when they call and the phone doesn't ring anymore. And there's a sense of that empty chair. We're celebrating a holiday, and, and for many of us, we get together with family and friends on Memorial Day, and we barbecue, and they're not, they're not there. There's an empty chair. It's an empty chair 
on our hearts and our minds. Sometimes it's just hard to wrap around. Five years ago, I lost my biological dad. He passed away due to some complications with some health issues. It was unexpected. And my biological dad and I had a very rough relationship. Uh, it was very challenging at times. It was a season where we weren't talking with each other. But in, in the years leading up to his death, we were able to reconcile. It wasn't perfect. We were able to reconcile. I'm very grateful for that opportunity to have that. But there's, there's no more phone calls. There's no more letters. There's no more jokes. I remember feeling that sense of loss when I, when I went to his graveside service and they did the whole military honors thing and it was so cool. And when I got handed that flag, as rough as our relationship was, there was such a sense of loss, that sense of the empty chair. Some of you have gotten to meet Jeff in our, in our sound booth. He's not here today. He's with family in Minnesota. But uh, we text often. He helps us out with a bunch of our, our stuff here at church behind the scenes. And I had texted him, uh, and I was busy doing something. And so I, you can ask your phone. You say, hey, Siri, text whoever. And told him to text Jeff. Now, every, now everybody's phone is texting Jeff. But um, I had said that, sent the message, and sent it. And I do that occasionally. Those who work with me closely know that I do that occasionally. Sometimes voice recognition is not the greatest. So I'll, you get a text from me that makes no sense. You're like, obviously, pastor is not typing this out. Um, but I didn't hear a response back from him. A couple hours later, I thought, man, that's really weird. Jeff usually gets back to me within a couple hours. And I looked at my phone, and I'd never taken my dad's name out of my phone, and it had texted my dad, there was never going to be a response back to that text message. The sense of that empty chair. So I want to share a passage of scripture with you this morning out of 2 Kings 13, 20 through 21. A great man of God and the empty chair that he left when he passed away. So 2 Kings chapter 13, we're looking at Elisha. It says this, then Elisha died and was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once, when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the body into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. Now, Elisha was an amazing man of God. He took part in at least 16 documented miracles. But I will tell you this, this one was something special. This was crazy, especially for the man who died. I mean, he woke up and he is in a cave with a dead body going, how did I get here? I'm like, this, this is a weird thing. Elisha had left this amazing legacy for the people of Israel. He was a prophet, a man of God, a man who showed up on the scene, a man who was there in times of hurting and loss, and God moved through him in incredible ways. He left a legacy. But his greatest miracle was the one that he wasn't even around for anymore. It was an empty chair. And through that empty chair, God still did something great and amazing. Raised someone from the dead. That's pretty outstanding. Now, some people take this passage of Scripture and they use it in some really weird ways to come up with some doctrinal practices that I don't agree with. I know that there are some churches that talk about grave soaking, where you go to the graves of great men and women, you sit there and you, you soak in their anointing I, I personally think that is a bunch of baloney um, because if you want an anointing from God, spend time with Jesus, okay? Because that's where the anointing comes from, is Jesus. Uh, I think that going to grave sites are important for loved ones. To have that moment of memory and things, I have no problem with that. I do it myself. But to understand what the concept here 
is, is that just because someone's gone doesn't mean that their legacy is done in our life. There are many great men and women that I have known that now their chair since empty, but they still leave a legacy. That legacy from a believer far goes far beyond our mortal frame, our mortal existence. It still can impact us in some amazing ways. And yes, there is sadness and, and there is emotion. And yes, we wish we were with our loved one in this moment. But when you have Jesus in your life, and if that person had Jesus in their life, we're going to see them again. I know for some of you, you're just wrestling with the loss. It just seems like you can't get by it. And maybe that's because we, didn't, we weren't able to have a service or a funeral or any of that for that particular individual because of the issues that were going on. Today, maybe you can get that sense of closure. Just recently, Mike Nichols lost two family members, one right after the other. Uh, his mom passed away, complications of COVID. Mike was in the process of getting all, all taken care of, and, and, and then they wanted to do a, kind of some type of family memorial. And so a bunch of his family came out here. Mike's brother came out here from uh, the East Coast, and we got to spend some time with them, and they had a barbecue, and were able to just talk about mom and got that sense of closure. And Mike's brother on his way home died of a heart attack. I mean, just, just crazy. But what I'd say to you this morning about the lost loved one is if they could say something to you this morning, what they would tell you is live. Live for Jesus. They would not want you in a state of, of continual mourn forever. They would want you to live. When I came here to this church, someone had said to me, there is someone you're probably not going to get along with in the church. Uh, and his name was Enos Mantic. In a lot of ways, he was my best friend here. He would drop in at the church. He would walk into my office, and at that point, I had different chairs, and I had a chair up against my wall. He'd come in and never, not say a word, and sit in the chair, and just sit for a moment. And every time he came in, I was a little nervous. I'll just be honest. I know the family really well, so I can share this. Um, I'd clench down there, you know? Anytime somebody comes in your office as a pastor, they come in, they sit down, there's a sigh. You're going, oh, great, I'm about to get it. And so I'd just kind of clench up, and then uh, Enos would take a deep breath, he'd turn his head, and he goes, how's my favorite pastor doing today? Always encouraged me. Always. When we lost him, I lost a good friend. But I will tell you, there is no question in my mind, he is proud of this church and where we have come. And in the empty chair in my life for Enos, I still hear his voice. Not, not that he's speaking to me from beyond the grave, I'm not saying that. But I hear the memories, his character, how much he loved Jesus. And he loved Elijah and Elisha, so he would be very excited about this message this morning. If your family members could tell you anything that had passed away, live. Live. As we look at Memorial Day, we remember what it's cost for our freedom. Think back to, to those loved ones you've lost. Think about the good memories that you had how that impacts your life. Learn from everything that they did, the good and the bad. Some of the greatest lessons I've ever learned about being a pastor came from men and women who goofed up. 
who did the wrong thing. And you know what? I learned from that. I'm like, I don't want to do that because I don't want to have to go through what they went through. You learn from the good and the bad. Take those memories that's in that empty chair and remember what their life meant to you. Live, church. Make the most of the time we've got. Gee, we so often talk about, like, I, pastors talk about, are you willing to die for Jesus? And yes, there is part of, we should be dying to ourselves every day. Absolutely. But Jesus came to give life and life more abundant. So I don't know why sometimes the church is like, well, let's just bury our head in the sand. It's so horrible. And then it's this, we can never smile again. I'm like, come on. Jesus is alive. He's not in the grave. And your family members, if they could speak to you, would say, live for Jesus. Make the most of every moment because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Smile again. Smile again. Last week, uh, any, any golfers here? Well, that's why we never do any golf outings because only nobody golfs. <laughs> Me either. Uh, but last week was a pretty historic moment. Phil Mickelson, at the age of 50, beat all those young guns on the PGA Championship. Took the champion. Somebody's like, 50? I, that's amazing. They're excited. They don't even like golf. They're just like, 50, and he did something awesome. That's great. So if you're 50 plus, there's still hope for you, okay? You're not done, all right? It's time to live. But I'll tell you this. Phil Mickelson, a phenomenal golfer, has won several different awards, won several different tournaments, his greatest moment on the green wasn't when he won at the age of 50. But his greatest moment, I believe, on the green came in 2010, where he won again a tournament on the golf course. After he had won, he pushed through all of the media and all of the spectators, did not say a word, pushed them out of his way until he could find his wife, Amy, who was fighting for her life against breast cancer. They embraced each other on the golf course for a long time. And he expressed to her how much she meant to him. Because that's what really mattered. The accomplishment don't mean much. But sharing moments with the ones you love sure do. I love this church, and I love doing life with you, and I hope you feel the same. Cherish the ones you love. If you've not said, I love you, to the people that mean the most to you, you need to do that today. There's one more sense of loss before we move on that I want to talk about. For some here this morning, there's a sense of loss of yourself. Through this season, you've been gripped by all sorts of different emotions and things fear, and confusion. For some, instead of really trying to figure out what's going on and, and where you're going, you've just plowed ahead and you feel like, I'll just stick a Jesus bumper sticker on it and it'll be fine. But this morning, God wants to go to the deep places of your heart. If you feel like you've lost yourself, God wants to speak to you today. Here's some things that might might, you might relate to in this season that you're feeling or going through that would say, I've lost a sense of myself. There's a panic in your action. The sense of dread seems to fill your life continually. There's a, always a sense of darkness and doom no matter what you're doing or where you're going. You just continually always feel that. You mistake confidence for arrogance and you've just really had an attitude problem. And while you don't admit it, you just always feel like you're right and everyone else is wrong. You only hear what you want to hear and not what people are actually saying. That's a hard one to diagnose, but maybe a loved one, a spouse, a family member has said that to you recently, but you're not hearing what people are actually saying. You just hear what you want to hear. And usually it's taken and you take what people are saying in the neg most negative way possible. You're in a sense of isolation from others. Maybe you even feel like God's asking you to isolate from others. 
And the ones that you isolate from, you blame them for issues that you're facing in your life. Instead of our hearts growing softer, which should be happening as you follow Jesus, instead of your heart growing softer, you know that your heart is becoming harder. You say God speaks to you, but the things that you say he's speaking don't actually line up with Scripture and definitely don't line up with the character of Christ. I've heard a couple people say things to me that have been very concerning to me in this season, talking with other pastors the same, where it's, they'll, they'll say, well, God, God's telling me that I'm, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be hanging out with people that aren't as spiritually at the level that I'm at. Okay, that is not in the character of Christ at all. That is not God speaking. Here's one. You put more weight into the people that you've into people you've never met that you listen to online, on TV, or on the radio than you do to the people who genuinely know you and love you. Think about that for a moment. Where do you put the weight? in the relationships in your life. If you put more value on people that have never met you, that you listen to on YouTube or you listen to on a TV or, or, or a podcast or whatever, and, and they, maybe they're Christians, maybe they're not. I don't know because I don't know them. And the truth is neither really do you. And you have more value there than, your, than on your spouse, more value than on your friends that know you, on your, your church family who know and love you and want you to succeed. You put more weight on, on these people who have no idea who you are. You might be in this place where you've, you've lost a sense of yourself. And to those this morning that are in that place with a sense of loss, God wants to speak something directly to your heart this morning. One word, breathe, 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 church. Take a breath in. I got this example, uh, Dave, if you bring it up, it's, it's the, the word breathe, or brave, sorry, brave. This is something that some of you have been here for a long time. This is something I use in my personal life. When I feel overwhelmed, confused, frustrated, I go to this every time. And each letter in brave stands for The first one is breathe. Do you know in, in Jewish culture, they actually, when, when they breathe, they almost, they almost take it in as, as you're almost breathing in God. Because you almost, almost his name, Yahweh. Right? Breathe, church. Just take a minute and breathe sometimes. Hyperventilate ourselves in our culture. We just got to stop and breathe. Remember, remember what God's already done. Go back to the word. God never left his people. When they're hurting, he shows up. When Mary and Martha lost, lost Lazarus, what did Jesus do? He showed up. And while Mary and Martha may have thought he was late to the scene, Jesus assured them, I'm just on time. Jesus is always on time. Remember what he's done. He didn't leave the people, his own people in Egypt. He brought them out of Egypt. When they were stuck against the body of water and the Egyptians that were after them, God didn't abandon them. He made a way where there was no way. When God had a promise for his people, he got them into the promised land. And yes, it took 40 years. And a generation had to pass away before they could enter it in. That wasn't God's problem. That was people's problem. God is not going to leave us remember what he's done. Ask. Like sometimes we think it's all about these huge, fancy prayers. Woo, we got to be so fancy. It's not. You know the best prayers are from the heart? Jesus, help me fill in the blank. And he does. Visualize. Some of us feel like we're never going to get out of wherever mess we're in. Just like a train going through a tunnel or a car going through a tunnel, when you start to get to the end, you'll see a speck of light at the end of the tunnel where the sunshine is coming through. Some of you have got to be able to look forward and go, there's, there's a ray of light. This season will pass. 
but I can't jump ahead. I've got to walk through the tunnel to get to the light that God has for me. Visualize an end. Realize that this isn't going to last forever, the season you're in. And finally, elevate. And the best way to elevate your perspective in life is to worship. Praise and worship. And I'm just not talking about what we do on Sunday. If this is the only worship you've got in your life is what we do on Sunday, I just got to tell you, that's pretty sad. Because worship is what we do when we leave this place, how we honor God. So turn on that Christian worship music. Spend some time out in nature. Go for a walk and just allow God to speak to you. Praise his name. Worship him. The word says that the earth is filled with his Come on. He's worthy of praise. And when we start to praise God and we get that visualization, we get to begin to see God's point of view on the problem. It's not a big problem for God at all. Big problem for us, not a big problem for God. Kathy, if you'd come. So the empty chair of loss. God wants us to breathe. If I go over here, there's another empty chair we need to talk about for just a moment. There's an empty chair we're designed with, every single one of us. It's a throne that sits above our heart. Now, we try to fill it with all sorts of things, with stuff, relationships. Sometimes we even try to squeeze into that throne and see if we can sit in it. But the chair's not designed for you and me. No matter how hard we try, we never fit. Because the throne of our hearts is made for one individual and one individual only. And his name is Jesus. Everybody's got a throne in their heart. But is he seated on yours? God will not take that throne by force. You've got to ask. He's, he is ready to come and sit on that throne. He's ready to help you walk life through with you, give you guidance, give you the tools that you need to move forward. But there has to be a request on our part. There has to be an invitation for Jesus to come and sit on the throne. This morning we handed out communion. If there's anyone who does not have the elements and would like them, would you just raise your hand? I want to make sure everybody that wants the elements has them. Looks like everybody has them. Great. Let's do this this morning. If you just would peel back that top cover, easier said than done, I know. There's two elements to communion. One's the wafer that symbolizes the bread. The other is the juice or, or wine, which symbolizes the blood of Christ. Today, we've got the opportunity to remember what Jesus has done. We also have the opportunity to make sure that Jesus is on the throne. If you're here this morning, and maybe you asked Jesus at one time to come into your life, maybe, maybe you've asked him to come into your life, but what's happening right now is Jesus is sitting on the throne, but we're, we're, we're trying to get on the throne with him. There's only room on this chair for one person. Be, I'm not going to give you an illustration of what that would look like this morning. All right? Chris Kafer and I could get up here and wrestle over this chair and sit on each other's laps, but it would be really weird. Let's make sure we let him sit in this throne by himself today. Can we do that? I want to pray over you, or you can pray with me just to rededicate our life to Christ this morning. Whether this is your first time or hundredth time doing this, let's make sure that this throne belongs to Christ. Lord, this morning, we realize that, Lord, there are empty chairs in our life, empty chairs of loss. We've been going through some really difficult things this season. We've lost loved ones, and maybe we've lost a sense of ourselves, and we're confused, frustrated. We know that we need help. The answer can only come from you. Lord, as we take a moment to breathe, we want to make sure 
that this throne belongs to you. So I invite you into my life, Jesus. Would you come in? Would you sit on the throne? I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm, I am messed up. I do all sorts of goofy stuff. I make wrong decisions. God, I need a guiding light in my life. I need a king. I need a savior. I believe that you are the son of God, that you came, that you died, and that you rose again. And Lord, do whatever you want to do in and through my life. In the mighty name of Jesus. First Corinthians eleven twenty three through twenty six says this: For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord Himself. On the night when He was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it, then He broke it in pieces and said, "This is My body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of Me." Let's memorial weekends. Let's take the, the piece of bread in our hand. Let's thank God for the body that he came. He came. He lived among us. He put on a flesh suit and walked on our footsteps. He experienced what we experience with pain and loss, emotion, frustration. Walked it all. And then gave up his body as a sacrifice. Tortured beaten, bruised, humiliated, and he did it willingly for us. Lord, we thank you for your body that you gave as a sacrifice for us. Lord, you were willing. You volunteered for the assignment. You came. You gave so much in your life, in your death, and in your resurrection. Lord, we thank you for your body. And we remember the price that you paid for our freedom from sin, from religion, from darkness. We thank you, Lord. Let's take the bread together this morning. Would you peel back the cover of your, your communion now? The cup cup symbolizes the blood that was poured out. There had to be a shedding of blood to wash away our sins, our mistakes, our faults, our behavior, our attitudes that were in rebellion against God. Jesus paid that price in full and shed his blood on the cross. In the same way, he took a cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Lord, we thank you that you poured out your blood for us covered us. There is no shame in Christ. Our past is behind us. Our present is here and our future is before us. God, with you, there's no limits on what you can do, how you can change things. And the greatest adventure lies ahead for all of us. When we pass away from this mortal plane and we get to spend eternity in brand new mansions, what an amazing day that will be. We look forward to it. Lord, may we celebrate the time you give us. And Lord, may we never forget, Lord, it's because of you all our blessings flow. Let's take the cup together. One last thing I want to share with you today. Is that all right? 
I want to talk about one more empty chair. It's actually just not one, it's several. This passage of Scripture is so important to me and to the future of our church. It's out of Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've, given, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The last empty chair are these empty chairs. There's room at the table. There's room at the table for more. And there will always be room at the table for more. We got room to grow. And when we pack this place out, we'll figure out how to get more room. When we pack that out, we'll figure out how to make more room. Look, worst case scenario, we know how to do church outside, and there's no limit then. Amen. Right? Yeah. I mean, God's maybe prepping us for the future. We all can't fit in the building. All right. There are people this morning, of all the things, right? We get so focused on ourselves. And Jesus is here this morning. You know what his heart is all about? This morning, there's a young lady in our community who's thinking about committing suicide. That's where his heart is at this morning. There's a man who has no vision for his life. And the only vision he's got is in a bottle or is in the drugs he's pushing in his arms. That's what Jesus is concerned about this morning. There's a wife who is concerned that her, her marriage will never get any better. There's someone this morning in our community that is sexually or physically abused and feels like there is no hope. Church, we've got to be the church. We've got to be the church. And we've got to extend the invitation that there's a place at the table for you. And that God has resources for your life. There's a song. I want to sing just a few. I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to speak it because if I sang it, that would be the end of service right there. The song's called Come to the Table. We all started on the outside, the outside looking in. And this is where grace begins. We were hungry, we were thirsty, with nothing left to give. Oh, the shape that we were in. Just when all hope seemed lost, love opened the door for us. And he said, come to the table. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. Come to the table. Every one of us here had a moment where we were invited to come to the table. Maybe it was as a kid, and you've grown up in church. Maybe you just recently gave your life to Jesus. Maybe you're watching online, and you connected with us with Drive-In Church, and you've been watching us, and this is where you're at now. You got an invitation to the table. Church, we've got to extend the invitation to others. Tomorrow, or Tuesday, we'll be doing the funeral for Terry. They asked me if we could have a, a song. I'm like, absolutely. And they picked a hymn. The, I, I don't know. Do you guys remember what the name of the hymn is? Mansion Over the Hilltop. How many of you guys know that song? Great. I have no idea. Because here's the, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. I didn't grow up in church. I came to the church in my late teens. I was part of a large church. Small Sunday there was 1,200 people. 
We did hymns, but that's not one we ever did. Guess what? We're all still family. We don't have to be alike. We don't, all don't have to like the same songs. We all don't have to like the same adventures. You don't have to be a Formula One fan to come to our church. It helps, but you don't have to be a Formula One fan. We can all dress different, different ways. You can wear jeans, shorts, t-shirts, suits, slacks, dress shoes, sneakers like these. It doesn't matter. Because guess what? It matters. Us connected to Jesus matters. Fill in these chairs, not to say, look at our church and how full it is, but because every seat that is filled is someone that's going to heaven with Jesus. That's what matters. Worship team, would you come? Church, let's make sure we're on mission. Let's make sure we're on mission. I'm going to do this now because I want to end in worship. There's one other empty chair for the next eight weeks that you need to be made aware of. Pastor's chair is going to be empty for eight weeks. Pastor Joel Pavia will be filling in for me on Sunday mornings, and he is going to love on you, love on him. Okay? Love on him. He loves this church. He served as a superintendent in Wisconsin, and he wants the best for us moving forward. So I'm pleased that he's coming to do that. Hannah's going to be in the office twice a week. She's got flex hours, so, so her hours aren't set. But if you leave an email or a phone call, she'll get it, pass it on to the right people, or contact you when she's in the office. If you've got things that you need to talk to her about. Case of emergencies. Uh, Jackie is our contact person, and she does a phenomenal job. She's our children's pastor. She's knocking it out of the park. She's happy to pray with you. If you've got an issue, call, all right? Because if she doesn't have the answer or the right connection, she's going to connect you with the people that do. And our church board is in charge while I'm gone. They're going to do a phenomenal job. Church, our ministry is not dependent on my personality. It's not. God's always been in control. I'm just the point man. And I want to thank this church. I wrote an email <laughs> earlier this week and put a video thing on Facebook. We're so blessed. Five and a half years ago when we came here, I was a broken person. And I know a lot of you were broken too. God put us together, and he has done some amazing healing in the process. I hope we've been a blessing to you as a church. But I want to tell you, you have absolutely absolutely been a blessing to me, my wife, my daughter. We love you. I would not want to do life with anyone else but you guys. And I want to thank you for loving us enough, for giving us a season to just recoup. It has been a tough, tough time for us, going through some personal struggles and health issues, as well as trying to pass through COVID last year, uh, that's enough in itself. But when you think about where we've come to, from together over the last five years, come on, we're not the same church. And that's a good thing. It's a great thing. I love you guys. So I have one word of encouragement for you. Play nice with each other while I'm gone, okay? We're still family. Don't burn God's house down, all right? Ron's on speed dial, but don't burn the church down.
and life's going to be good. Life's going to be great. And we love you guys. Can't thank you enough. So I want to pray one last time before I cut the worship team loose. They'll, they'll do worship, then you can give in your tithes and offerings. Can I just tell you one more time, I love you. I love you so much. Would you stand to your feet? God, I would not want to do life with anybody else but my hillside family. Oh, the journeys we've been down. Times of crying at this altar together. Losses we've all experienced that we've walked through as a church. Times of correction and discipline that are never fun and always challenging. But oh God, the victories we've had together. Marriages restored. People coming into the relationship with you as their Savior. Praying over our community, worshiping outside and lifting our voices to have our community hear the praises of your people. Lift your name up over our city. Healings, miracles. Wow, how has it been? God, thank you for bringing us together. Lord, in my absence, as our ministry team fills the chair over the next eight weeks, God, use them in mighty ways. Lord, as a church, God, keep us on track. Help us to stay focused with prayer and praise, Miles. And we need to be praying this summer. You're not done moving. You're not done prepping your people for the harvest ahead. And God, there are great days to be had. Lord, I pray for our board. Give them wisdom. Lord, if there are times we don't know what we'll face tomorrow. Lord, if there are decisions, hard decisions that need to be made, we pray for wisdom for them to step up and lead during this time. Lord, we pray, God, for Jackie. Lord, we thank you for her calling and her developments. And Lord, we just pray as she's the point person, as she steps into this role, that God, you would bless her in some great and amazing ways. So you continue to develop her as a powerful minister. Lord, we pray for Hannah, who will do the office administration. And just, just put your spirit upon her. Lord, continue to give her amazing wisdom far beyond her years. And for this church... May they be blessed in the eight weeks ahead. Lord, I pray, pour into their lives. Encourage them. May they celebrate. May they laugh hard. May they breathe in moments where it's frustrating. May they breathe deep. Remember what you've done. Ask for your help. Be able to visualize an end to the situation that they're facing. And Lord, may most of all, may they elevate and praise and worship how we end today. Lord, we pray a blessing over today's offering as well. Lord, we want to give to you, not to man. Not just of our finances, but God, of our heart as well. Lord, we love you and we love each other. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, Amen. Can you do one last thing for me, church? Can we worship together one last time before we go on sabbatical? Would you worship with my wife and I? Let's sing praises to our Lord. Let's lift his name high. Jeremy, would you lead us? All right. Um, so the song is Older, um, Trading My Sorrows. And it kind of fits in with today's message about our hearts, the condition of our hearts being replaced with joy. Um, and so, uh, yeah, let's sing it together. Joy of the Lord. I'm trading my 
choosing songs, um, I kind of found myself thinking about what worship really is, and um, this song is called The Heart of Worship, and I just want to encourage us all that it's not, like we talked about on Friday night, it's not about the performance, but it's about lifting Jesus up in his name, and so when we sing this, I pray that you would think about that. When there's no music, when it's just you and Jesus, Deserve. 
to gather and I pray that as we go throughout our weeks uh, we would worship you in spirit and in truth I pray a blessing over the offering that you would bless the gift as well as each giver and that this week we would live for you in your name Amen <laughs>